the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Come to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. You see those sirens in your feed. You know exactly what that means. It's an emergency podcast of the coaching variety. And this time, we are here discussing... What is currently reported so daggum widely, I have to assume, is basically on its way to being official. Luke Fickle being named the next head coach at Wisconsin. A lot to get to here because Luke Fickle, of course, with the work that he did during his time at Cincinnati, uh, leading them to... Four top 25 finishes, two top 10 finishes, two conference championships. He was named the AAC Coach of the Year twice, a 57-18 and 18 record. He churned out daggum nine NFL draft picks last year. His talent evaluation, his player development, it made him a very hot commodity. He reportedly interviewed for the Michigan State job after Mark D'Antonio retired abruptly in February of 2020, but decided to stay at Cincinnati. The Notre Dame job came open. The Oklahoma job came open, but he never really got, I don't remember. I mean, we can, you know, relitigate this. Y'all can hold my feet to the fire on it, but I don't ever remember there getting a bunch of steam on either of those outside of, you know, our assumption that those would be places where he is interested. So Wisconsin then has been a job that he will reportedly make the move for. Um, first, Wisconsin got Luke Fickle. Is this the is this the deal breaker for the how good a Wisconsin how good a job Wisconsin is because if you got Luke Fickle to up and leave what we thought was going to be a place where he was very comfortable to stay for a while I've got to think that this is a good reflection on the Badgers job and especially the Badgers job in the future college football landscape. Yeah, it's it's interesting because as you mentioned Luke Fickle been mentioned for so many jobs as a top candidate and we we even kind of brought it up a couple of weeks ago. It's like, it's kind of strangely quiet about Luke Fickle during this coaching carousel this year. And now, of course, this is when it finally happens. But like, 
I thought Ohio State was the job, obviously, that he was ever going to leave Cincinnati. Ohio State would be the job. I thought a Michigan could be the job. I thought Michigan State at the time could be the job, and I think it almost was, but there was other stuff going on in that athletic department that kind of you know, caused him to pass on it. I felt like Penn State was the kind of job he would leave for. I didn't know if Wisconsin would be the place, but, I mean, it makes sense. It's just now it's weird because we're going to have a new Big Ten and it's like, what is Wisconsin's role going to be? Where is its place in this new Big Ten with USC coming in, with UCLA coming in, with the West Division likely going away? Mm-hmm. Like, Wisconsin needed to find a coach who can prove that he can keep them where they are and where they want to be. And I think getting Fickle from Cincinnati, I, that's probably, I mean, what other names are out there that Wisconsin could have gotten that you would consider to be a better hire than Luke Fickle? I mean, uh, the other names we heard associated with this at, at some time or another were uh, the Kansas coach, Lance Leipold, Lance Leipold. Uh, mm-hmm. Dave Doran from NC State. Um, but I, I feel like Fickle is, I think, more accomplished in, in some ways than those guys. He took Cincinnati to the playoff. They've dominated uh, you know, the, the, the American Conference for a while. And I, I, I think this is a really nice hire. And it does make me question, to Chip's point, just how high they can go, right? Because you've, you've heard about – you know, Michigan State taking one of the recruiting coordinators and sort of the, the the dealings in the back office stuff that maybe Wisconsin is not fully built out and, and fully weaponized back then. Like I, I want to see, you know, what does Wisconsin look like if they do go ahead and spend a lot of money on staffing, which at this point, if you're a Big Ten school, there's really no excuse what are you not, spending not that to. Money on? Yeah. Right, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, there is a battle in this league for who can be the number four team, right? In my mind, it's a very clear Program-wise, this year, Michigan's the number one team. Program-wise, I think it's still Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State in that order, uh, but Michigan can quickly change that if they keep winning. There's a battle for number four. Will it be Nebraska if they get right because they're clearly willing to spend the money? Will it be Wisconsin? Will it be Michigan State? Like Those three teams in my mind are the three truly battling for that number four spot in the Big Ten because of their willingness to spend. And I think you have to elevate Wisconsin into that conversation now because looks like they're going to pay him what eight nine million bucks I think I think I saw on Twitter so that's big time money. And then you got USC coming. Well, okay, that's fair. So the the battle for number five. Yeah. Well, that uh, was that's why they had to. I mean, I like the way that you put it, Tom. I, I was working on the story for CBSSports.com. That was one of my big things. Wisconsin had to nail this, and if they wanted to look at Jim Leonard. Like, hey, Jim, I love you. I like Chris McIntosh also is a former Wisconsin player. Like the the whole keep it in the family thing, I get it. But this is a big business decision. This is a business decision by Chris McIntosh to say, you know, while this is is great and we love our tradition and we love our family and our cheese and our beer and our House of Pain song from the 1990s that has somehow become a football tradition as well, Look, we don't have a lot of conference championships since 1970. There's only six of them. Barry Alvarez won three in the 90s. Brett Bielema won three in the early 2010s. And yet the division structure that Wisconsin has enjoyed has not given a free pass, but it's given you a discounted pass to a one-game opportunity to play for a conference championship. If that goes away, plus the arrival of USC and UCLA in terms of competition, then just settling for anything less than a stellar hire was going to force you into the middle class after you had been kind of enjoying close to the big boy table uh, in a way that the program history was not really set up for over the long period of their Big Ten time. Mm-hmm. And it's, 
I mean, like, I, I feel like one of the better ways to put this is like, as you were mentioning, Bud, this is like the clear statement to get to, you know, fourth, fifth, whatever you want to pick at this point. But like, if you're an Iowa fan, a Minnesota fan, an Illinois fan, a Purdue fan, a Michigan State fan, if you're a fan of any of those schools, you're not unhappy with your current situation. But you're not happy to hear that Wisconsin's hiring Luke Fickle either, because it's like that job just became a lot. That team became a lot more difficult to beat going forward, based on what he was able to do at Cincinnati. Because if you think about it, I mean, Wisconsin's always been a development program. They get some four-star guys in there. Occasionally, they get a five-star guy, but they're not bringing in all these tremendously highly rated recruits. They're bringing them in for their system. They're developing them. Cincinnati, at its core, has been a very good recruiting group of five program, but it is still a development program at the same time. So Fickle has recruiting jobs. He's got connections in Ohio, which is still a very fertile recruiting ground for the Big Ten. A lot of very good Big Ten players come from that state. And he's got the development. He sent nine guys to the NFL. This is a very good thing for Wisconsin. Oh, and by the way, one of the nine guys that he sent to the NFL was a quarterback. Wisconsin, <laughs> yeah, you've got a coach that could find a quarterback and put him in an offense that is still physical and it can still play your style, but maybe a little bit more, you know, balanced and dangerous. It it's interesting because basically you're you're getting a a career DC who now has head coaching experience over a career DC who you think would be good at the job. Like I'm sure Wisconsin did give Jim Leonard real consideration mm-hmm. for this job, but Luke Fickle, I mean he. Since he took over for Tuberville, who was a disaster at Cincinnati, he had that four and eight year to start. Okay. Then they go 11 and two, 11 and three, nine and one, 13 and one, nine and three. I don't always love his offenses, but I think it speaks to the level of talent and development and trait uh, seeking that they, that they get. Like this year, if you watch their offense, it's not fun to watch, but they have just explosive dudes on the outside who make up for, I think, terrible quarterback play and, I don't really know that I, I love their you know, their offensive staff there at Cincinnati. But the guys had to change coordinators before and has done so successfully. They recruit really well. He understands how to run a program. And, I mean, I think that's the thing we underrate in, in coaching searches. We, we think about upside. But consistency also really matters here. And they have consistently been I mean, like one, two, or three in the American constantly. And you could say they have some of the best resources in that league, and they do. But, I mean, Wisconsin appears to be willing to spend, so – they will have some of the better resources in the Big Ten now. Yeah, like when when they made the move on Chris and they went to Leonard, like it was widely assumed, you know, coach in waiting, coach in waiting. I I think they wanted in an ideal world, I think they wanted the program to just finish really strong and for Jim Leonard to take this job and be the guy going forward. But he he didn't. Like if you look at how they finished, like it was a pretty compared to how the season started with their schedule, getting Ohio State, you know, and, and then Illinois the loss. It's like you looked at the rest of the schedule, Northwestern, Michigan State, Purdue, Maryland, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota. Like not the most difficult path. And the only wins were they they beat Purdue, which is a good win. They beat Maryland, which is a decent win, but they struggled to beat Nebraska on the road last week, had to come back. They lose the rivalry game to Minnesota. It's like the Badgers under Leonard over the second half of the season really didn't look like a much different team than what they looked like under Chris. So I think to Chris McIntosh's credit, instead of playing to what he wanted or maybe the ideal scenario or just kind of crossing his fingers, hoping for the best, he said, uh, I, I can't take that chance. Um, To those who are joining us right now, no, th- this is not official, but uh, it is being widely it's reported. Like, pretty official. And then you, do you know what? It's a state job. 
there is a board of regents meeting that is reported to be held for 4 p.m. Uh, Central Time. And Rittenberg just said, by the way, did you see this, Chip? No, I did. Uh, he, he said a 1 p.m. meeting for Fickle uh, to meet with his team at okay, Cincinnati. So it's, it's happening. They haven't announced it yet, but it's happening. It's yeah. happening. Yay. I mean, so uh, on the other side, uh, I'm not saying not not coming up on the other side, but in a little bit we'll get to the Cincinnati side of this. But for for Jim Leonard, do you think that there was a chance he could have won the job on the field because there were disappointing games that maybe could have gone the other way? There were close margins that maybe could have gone the other way. You mentioned the style of play didn't look all that different on either side of the ball. Do you think that there was an opportunity for Jim Leonard to be able to do, get this done, or do you think that? Uh, sort of that motivation that you mentioned for Chris McIntosh to be able to get somebody who's proven might have always existed a little bit more than I know I thought. I, I think there was a chance, but like I, I, it was just a rough finish. Like you, you lost to Iowa, and you were never really competitive in that game. You need to come back late to beat a bad Nebraska team. You lose at home to your rival Minnesota in the you know it, it, to finish the season, and it's. I just don't feel like the way that things finished, there was any reason to think like, and we talked about this on the show. Like I had heard that they were going a different direction a couple, what was that? Like seven, 10 days ago. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it at the time. It was like, cause when they got bowl eligible, it was like, okay, maybe that's what the, maybe that's what the goal was. But clearly like this isn't Luke fickle came out of nowhere, but I don't think this is a process that just started. I think Wisconsin has been, in fact, I know Wisconsin has been pretty heavily involved in talking to coaches from outside of Madison for a while. I, I do think there was some chance that, that, that Leonard could have got the job, obviously. Um, but I think it would have to be a, a looking different on the field, which they didn't do enough of. Uh, but also, I, I don't know what his plan was that he presented internally and whether that moved the needle for Wisconsin's athletic director. Right? Like Those are questions really on, only he can answer and almost certainly won't answer now. Uh, given that they have hired somebody else. But my guess here is that Fickle's plan was better in the eyes of the AD because that's who he made the hire for. However, what, what if UCF does not make that comeback last night after choking the game away against USF? Does Wisconsin wait another, another week here for Cincinnati to go play Tulane again in the American Championship? What if Cincinnati had won that ball game? Would Wisconsin be waiting uh, until the New Year's Six game? If Fickle wanted to do that, uh, you know, kind of makes you question. I, I do think this comes down to, by the way, like, like, why would you jump? Because some people in the chat are like, why would you take Wisconsin over Sensi? I mean, guys, this Whoa. is sort of what we talk about with the big two. Yeah, it's it's a three x number in terms of, of money being brought in, in addition to all the booster stuff, which I guarantee you, Wisconsin has bigger boosters than Cincinnati does. So you're talking about three x the the money you get to play with. It's really not comparable unless you're at one of these schools like, you know, like a Clemson or something that's incredibly booster funded when, when we're talking about these non big two leagues compared to the big two. And the the, the new big 12 is certainly not uh, not in the league with the big 10. Yeah, I mean, it's it's money. It's like I understand if you're a Cincinnati fan, you're moving to a power five conference and that's awesome because you kind of need to and it's it's a big deal for your program but the big 12 and the big 10 are not the same they're both power five conferences but when it comes to the television money and the resources that you have it's just not the same thing and then also just i mean we've seen this with other programs 
when you move to a new conference and you've kind of got a new footprint, you don't really know what the future is going to be. We've seen programs get derailed. Nebraska just hired Matt Rule, its third coach since joining the Big Ten, because the, the program has been derailed moving from the Big 12 to the Big Ten. It's kind of lost its identity. You don't know it's Cincinnati, a Midwestern school in Ohio, going to the Big 12, which is a conference that is mostly not, you know, it's it's the Plains, but it's further west and it's Texas and Oklahoma. Like, you don't know how you're going to fit in there. You don't know how recruiting is going to work. If you're Luke Fickle, you know everything you've been doing recruiting-wise at Cincinnati, you can still do at Wisconsin in the Big Ten. You don't know if you'll be able to have that same kind of situation with Cincinnati in the Big 12. So your program, your blueprint, you know it's going to work. So you're going to have more money, more resources, and you already have your blueprint for success. How much do you think the Cincinnati SMU game impacted his decision here? Because like they almost lost SMU, and you look at SMU playing TCU this year, and TCU just smacked him, right? I mean, that was – it kind of makes you wonder, like, if you're Cincinnati, I think it's fairly clear that that Prater is not ready to play at a high level in the American. He's certainly not going to be ready to play in, at a high level, most likely, unless he takes a huge jump next year in the Big 12. I've said this often. You take the check, you take the losses that come with it, right? Ask Maryland about that. And like Coco's producing today, at ask West Virginia. Would West Virginia rather be in the American still? No, because like it's I mean, that's basically like you're, it's not a good league anymore if you're trying to play at the highest level. But the step up in competition, like Fickle's star, I think would always burn kind of bright because he did take Sensi to the to the playoff at a G five school, the only coach to have done so. But it's not crazy to think since he goes in, into the Big Twelve and it's all of a sudden like a seven and five type team, you know, like. Do you really think that they're going to be seven and two in, in the league consistently? I I don't. At least not to start. Do you think that the the fact that um, well, actually, let's let's get to that. Coming up on the other side, where Cincinnati is going to be moving forward, and another hire that was made official uh, here on Sunday morning: Kenny Dillingham, thirty-two years old. Youngest head coach at the Power 5 level. He's taken over at his alma mater, Arizona State. So we'll talk Cincinnati, Arizona State. More coaching carousel buzz. Next. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner, from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So what, what does Cincinnati do here? We'll get to Jim Leonard in, in a little bit. That's, a, that's also all of a sudden, is he, I don't know, that's a pretty uh, high, much coveted defensive coordinator, or maybe he does want to be a head coach. Um, what, what does Cincinnati do with, uh, with Fickle on the way out? Urban Meyer. Get out of town. Let's go. I mean, he gets to stay in Ohio. His son is already on Cincinnati's staff. I want to just completely laugh it off, but oh no no no! I can't. I can't. Oh, let's do it. Let's get Cincinnati it, it fans. Would, it, would be, it would be splashy. Oh, that would be incredible. I mean, I just would he do that though? Would he? I mean, like Ohio State could be open. We talked about it. Like, um. <laughs> <laughs> uh wow. I don't yeah. Okay, yeah, let's Urban Meyer or bust. If Cincinnati doesn't hire Urban Meyer, it's, it's a, a failure. failure. <laughs> <laughs> Urban in the Big 12. Urban recruiting the state of Texas, which he did. Mm-hmm. Urban going to play in Orlando in road games against Big 12 foe UCF. Mm. That would be, I don't think that's going to happen, but it is crazy that I can't completely rule it out. I, I don't know if, if not urban, I mean, what, what, what is Cincinnati? It's an attractive gig. It's oh. going to be moving to the power five. I got one for you. What apparel does Cincy wear? Is it under, under armor? Dion? Dion Sanders. It's a power five job. I think it's a better job in Colorado until I'm proven otherwise with Colorado's spending and, and transfer uh, you know stuff. I could see Dion doing well at, at, at Cincinnati. I agree. It's uh, it, by the way, Cincinnati is kind of the South to me. I don't know how, like how you guys feel about this Tom yeah, Urban Western, but yeah, it, it's basically <laughs> like so you can recruit the South from Cincinnati if you need to. I mean, I saw some commenters mention Brian Hartline because like the Ohio oh, State yeah, statistic clearly worked out for them, but I just wonder, like money wise. It's like, I mean, how much is Cincinnati going to pay him? Can Ohio State kind of compete? Because he is pretty important to what the Buckeyes do. Fickle was making $5 million a year. I mean, like, there's no way that, that they Ohio can State can that much. Can yeah, that. I'm just, it's, if you're Heartline, though, do you want to leave Ohio State for that? I th- if he wants to be a head coach, I think that's a very good option to consider for sure because we know his recruiting chops and we've seen what he's been able to do with developing these receivers because we talk about it. Like, it's, he gets plenty of talented players and that's great, but we've seen a whole lot of talented receivers go to places and not really amount to anything. The hit rate that he has on these guys is exceptionally high. So I feel like that's a good sign, both for his recruiting acumen and his coaching skill. By the way, Cincinnati uh, is not getting much buyout money from this. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. No fickle. Uh, this is per an athletic article fickles buyout. Should he choose to leave for another job begins at 3.5 million. If he leaves before January 1st, 2023, like that is exceptionally That's cheap. cheap, and should have been a tell that, uh, that like clearly, like Fickle was not going to stay at Cincinnati long term. 
Tom Herman. Like, do we? We've got kind of like sure, all, all the that. names of uh, these these other coaches that ha- are not in uh, coaching right now who could step in in the a moment a moment's notice and be able to take over right away. Try to start assembling the staff. Try to do whatever they can to keep that early signing class together because we haven't seen you know Matt Rule was one of them, but. We haven't seen, you know, a Tom Herman. We haven't seen a, a Kevin Sumlin. We haven't seen one of those other names really uh, surface yet at some, one of those jobs. What's Herman's relationships like with Texas high schools? I think it's fine with with, it's with a lot good. of them. Yeah, I, I was going to say because that could be that could be nice just to have. He's obviously from his time at Ohio State. He's familiar with Ohio. You get him to te- in the Big Twelve. He's familiar with Texas because of his time at Texas and his name has been popping up at a lot of jobs. So it's clear that he wants to get back in the game. So that's somebody I think you should keep an eye on to consider. Yes. Also, um, what was the deal with Carmelo Anthony where like he was born in New York, but really raised in Baltimore. But when he went to the Knicks, it was like, oh, I'm coming home because Tom Herman was born in Cincinnati, but moved to California at the age of six. Mm -hmm. So he was really like raised in California. But then you could at least say like, "Oh, it's so great to you know come come home to Cincinnati." He's got that chili in his blood. <laughs> you can't ever get that chili out of your blood or um, your shirt. <laughs> I feel I, I don't feel bad, but you know we're setting the bar at Urban Meyer and Deion Sanders. Yeah. Watch them come out back. We're promoting internally. <laughs> might might happen, but I mean it's it's an it's an attractive job. Yeah, like that. That's a job that is clear it will pay. Um, I mean, what's a better job, Cincinnati or Texas Tech? Cincinnati or West Virginia? Cincinnati or Tommy Tuberville would definitely say Cincinnati over Texas. Right. I mean, like literally, yeah. So I think it's a quality job. Um, I would rather have Cincinnati than Colorado right now. Yes, for sure. Especially with with the uncertainty uh, surrounding the Pac 12. I would rather have Cincinnati than Stanford. I would rather have – I mean, it's it's a good job. Uh, can they place Bill O'Brien here? No. If I'm a Cincinnati fan, I'm so mad if Bill O'Brien gets rehomed. At- He's going to get rehomed somewhere. FAU. There you go. Bang. <laughs> um, would you take Butch Jones back? Hmm. I don't know how Cincinnati fans felt about that. I don't know. Okay, because like they've been absolutely terrible, but uh, also Arkansas State seems like it's kind of a mess. Also, the Butch Jones experience was so short. Yeah, would you? T- um, he came in off Brian Kelly's coattails. Mm-hmm. It was like splash, splash, Tennessee. I don't think. That's true. Yeah, I don't think he left enough of an impact. Brian Kelly back to Cincinnati. <laughs> They're going to run him out of Baton Rouge after losing a and Late, latest conspiracy that I loved was uh, was LSU laid down for Texas A&M to keep Jimbo around. Yeah, LSU sacrificed its playoff potential to help Jimbo playing the oh. long game. All right, so you mentioned uh, late, late, late into the night after – did you cash? Yeah, Bud cashed his BYU ticket. Yes. Um, late into the night after the defeat – Stanford coach David Shaw resigned. It's like about 3 a.m., 4 a.m. on the East Coast. David Shaw resigns as head coach. He's one of the most successful coaches in Stanford football history, but this season and really a lot of everything recently has not gone well. Um, like who that job is not coveted. Run the option. I mean, I think that job will be coveted because that job pays well. 
David Shaw was making a ton of money, right? Wasn't that I, your argument why he would never quit? I I just I thought remember like, getting a lot of pushback on here when I was like, yeah, oh, yeah man, the thing is I didn't think they, I didn't think they would fire him. I guess with the quit thing, it was like, all right, like if you're really really tired of it or something, which no, that's a, it's the noble thing to do. It allows yeah. you to like stay good with the alumni and be able to still come back because it's like you fell on the grenade for the program. Be like the message just isn't getting received like it used to. I need. Do to we think this is a quit though? Like like not a firing. It'll depend on how much he gets paid from this point. <laughs> also, like, did, did the broadcast know? Because they kept cutting to him a ton during the broadcast. He was kind of like looking up longingly at the scoreboard. And uh, I, I, in hindsight, I'm like, man, I, I guess he was just kind of taking it all in in, in what he knew was going to be his last game, assuming it was a, a quit. Okay, so with Stanford as a program, right, they do have money for athletics, quite a bit of it. Uh, there are a lot of issues there, though, that – I don't know. Like, should Sanford continue to play football? Like, do they want to play football in the Pac-12? I don't know. Like, I, I will give credit to Pat Forty here. About a year ago on a podcast, he was like, I don't know how long Stanford's going to play football, right? And his daughter swam for Stanford on the Olympic team. Um, they have a lot of problems there that are just institutional problems, not like criminal stuff. I'm talking about well, they, and problems for big time college football. Success. Yes, problems. Like, yes. Obstacles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, not not problems. Obstacles that make it almost impossible to win. Now, because now at almost every institution in the country, if you whiff on a high school kid, you can fix your whiff by going to the portal. At Stanford, you really can't. They had a good graphic on the TV last night showing all of the uh, transfer numbers per the the Pac-12 teams, and I don't even think the Pac-12 teams necessarily went all that nuts with taking transfers. Some did, but not everyone. Stanford had one transfer on the roster. And I'm pretty sure it's a kid who wanted to go to Stanford for school anyway, and then also just happened to be really good at, uh, was it Oklahoma State or Arizona State? I'm trying to think, the, the Fields kid, who's one of their best players on defense. Additionally, Stanford routinely loses players to the transfer portal who have eligibility left because Stanford's grad schools do not play ball with the football program in terms of taking kids in. So if you graduate at Stanford with your undergrad degree, most schools will find some kind of master's program for you to get in, mm -hmm. you know, basket weaving or whatever, so that you can continue to play football. The problem here is Stanford doesn't. So you routinely see some of Stanford's better players. I can't say they never play ball. Like I'm, maybe they do for a really, really special kid. But for a lot of these players who are good players, who are, are, are you know, valued elsewhere, they have to transfer out because they're not getting in to grad school at Stanford. It's also a program that has been rocked, and they've made some improvements on this, but not enough, by the early signing period. David Shaw, if you want to go back six or seven years ago now to like 2015, 2016, when I think we were all you know writing at the time more. Shaw, like when we wrote articles on what coaches said about the early signing period proposal, who was the guy who was the most vocal in opposition? It was always David Shaw because he knew Stanford would be cooked if they passed this thing because they don't offer admission to kids early enough. Oftentimes the, like the actual stamp of, Hey, you're in doesn't come until after the early signing period. And kids are just simply not willing to wait for that. Now they've made some improvements. They're playing ball a little bit more there. It's also a thing where like assistant pay, I, I think is something you're going to have to look at. And then the cost of housing as well in the Bay area is exorbitant. So you may have good coordinators and good head coach, but 
how much do you have to pay a guy? We, we talked about this with Lincoln Riley, right? Would, would USC step up and pay your your video guy or your analyst you want to bring in? Can you pay him 140 as opposed to 60? Because I mean, it, like a, a decent house in the Bay Area is like well over a million, right? So uh, there's a lot of issues there. Does Stanford own homes though in the area that they, they do? They do own some, yeah. yeah. Um, I could think of a coach who's had a lot of success running a program that has very strict eligibility requirements and cannot accept transfers. His name is Jeff Munkin. Mm. Run the damn triple, Stanford. Do it. Run the smart man's offense. What about Willie Fritz? Hire Willie Fritz. It's a more modern triple, I mean, if you wanted to. Um, Yeah, I think the triple could work there. But we also need to redefine work. Is work like make a bowl? Yeah. I mean, I, I think unless they in the transfer portal era. Also, I don't think Stanford does a whole lot with the NIL, at least not what I've told what I've been told. Maybe they uh, maybe they step it up there because they have so many rich alumni, but they don't really seem inclined to do that so far, I guess. I mean, not unless you have a patent. You think Chris Peterson would jump back into the Pac-12? I don't. I I won't be surprised if Chris Peterson returns to coaching. I just don't know if Stanford's where he's going to want to do it. Seems like a good like fit for the guy who kind of just wants to be a teacher. I could see that. Um, Bronco. He, really did, he didn't love all the recruiting stuff. Bronco could be interesting. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like I don't know. I, I don't want to say Bronco could do better, but. Maybe he could in terms of the ability to win. That could be interesting. I, I bet you like they'll get a name that we're like, eh, that's a pretty good hire. And then ultimately the success of the hire will largely depend on how the much the school is willing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, would, would Nick Saban win at Stanford as it is currently comprised? What about Derek Mason or Willie Taggart, two former Stanford assistants who are familiar with you know, the what it takes there, and I have had coaching experience. All right, do ticket sales matter in this? Because No, they don't sell tickets as it is. Right. Okay, so maybe you can hire a defensive guy like, like Derek Mason. Um, but he also did not do very well at another academic spot like Vanderbilt. No, but it's, Stanford's not in the SEC either. This yeah. is fair. Um, staying in the Pac-12, Kenny Dillingham officially named the head coach at Arizona State. The Scottsdale native who came up through the Arizona high school coaching ranks and was even a, a former Arizona State staffer. He linked up with Mike Norvell, followed Norvell to Memphis and also to Florida State. One year with Gus Malzahn in between. And Dillingham is now tasked with what is going to be uh, both A, clean up and rebuild, and then B, trying to guide Arizona State to a new ceiling in a new Pac-12 that does not have USC and UCLA. And when we start to look at the future Pac-12, and as we have discussed, you know, Arizona State's ceiling uh, based on, you know, Bud always mentions the changing demographics, uh, you know, the way that people have been moving out of California into Arizona. What do you make of Dillingham's chances to be able to arrive at his alma mater and sort of deliver on all of the romantic hopes that seem to be circling this hire? I think it's possible that, that he can absolutely be a home run there. It's also possible he could bomb. Like, like I, of all the hires, and granted, mm-hmm. there are no certainties in, in, in coaching searches and coaching hiring, right? 
but I do think that this one has the widest error bars. Like, I know Kenny, I think he could absolutely kill it there. It also is going to depend on what happens with the administration. I'd like to read you something here from our Arizona State 24-7 sports site, Chris Cartman, who does a tremendous job and has covered the search, you know, really well. Uh, this is from November 18th. From what I've heard, ASU did not self-impose a bowl ban this year and could have done so even after Herm Edwards left. So this season would have qualified as a self-imposed bowl ban, even though ASU didn't even make a bowl. And everyone knew weeks ago ASU wasn't headed for a decent bowl and probably wouldn't make any bowl. This was entirely Ray Anderson's decision to make. As ever, Ray Anderson is the AD, by the way, who I cannot believe is still there. That's uh, that ASU's administration is kind of a clown show, in my, in my opinion. Like they're they're not a well-run ship. Uh, as I've reported throughout the year, ASU officials believe the program will be hit with a flurry of level one infractions. The NCAA penalty matrix for that includes a one to two year competitive postseason ban unless it is mitigated level one, which this is not expected to be due to violations being so numerous with so many recruits and involving the head coach who was kept on the job for 15 months after the investigation began. And the penalty matrix is supposed to be for even when the violations occurred, not based on new rules or changes or interpretations, meaning like it's unlikely to be mitigated. Okay, continuing. Also, even though ASU did self-impose some recruiting restrictions since late last year, including not sending Edwards or, or Pierce, that's uh, uh, the assistant coach Pierce, out at all, and not sending as many coaches out for contact and evaluation periods, ASU did not self-impose as many recruiting restrictions as it could have done on contact visits, scholarship reduction, evaluations, et cetera. And he basically just goes on, to, like in his opinion. So they, they messing up. They It does make me wonder, like, <laughs> how many people – wanted this job given who is still in power with this job, what might be coming for this job. But I also recall us having this conversation about Tennessee and it worked out really well for Tennessee and not a lot of people wanted the Tennessee job. And I was of the opinion that Danny White at Tennessee was hiring Josh Heupel to at the very minimum score a lot of points and sell some tickets until they could, you know, weather the sanctions. And they damn near made the playoff this year if they hadn't got, you know, boat raced by South Carolina. So what I know about Kenny Dillingham, young dude, Hard worker, right? Like he's pretty relentless. He is somebody who's not afraid to go out and take big swings at big time recruits. Uh, I saw that Arizona State today got a one million dollar NIL match thing, which is a start. Like that's not going to land you a five star unless you spend it all on one kid in, in one year. I mean, to get a five star nowadays, you need to be thinking, you know, probably three million over four years type thing uh, for the NIL market. But I think he will immediately give it a really good effort in recruiting against Jed Fish at Arizona. And I, I think that they will run a fun, exciting offense and be extremely active in the transfer portal. Uh, he, If you guys don't know Kenny, uh, he was a, a offensive coordinator slash you know, coach for Mike Norvell uh, with stops at Arizona State, Memphis, and then Florida State, where he was the OC uh, last year before taking over for Dan Lanning. And they ran a really nice offense this year with a lot of transfers at Oregon. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm also just heavily doubtful that Arizona State's administration has his act together. It's it's an exciting hire in that, like you said, there's a pretty high ceiling. It's just there's also a low floor. But at the same time, like if you're an Arizona State fan, and I don't mean this is disrespectful, even though it's going to sound disrespectful. Sorry to Danny's friend, Herm Edwards. You went from hiring an old man who was bringing a boring-ass offense to play 17 to 13 games to hiring a young coach with an exciting offense who loves the hell out of the school, who was crying during the press conference. Like, you might not win a bunch of games right away. You might go through some rough times, but at least you know you've got a coach who's interested in fixing things. And 
that's instead of a coach who's maybe you know taking a retirement gig. Well, and I mean, think about the all of the hires that we've seen: Dennis Erickson, Herm Edwards. I mean, even Dirk Cutter and Todd Graham were in their forties, almost to fifty years old at the time they took the job. I mean, this this has been like. You know, I am not super familiar with the Scottsdale, you know, Phoenix, Tempe area. So I don't want to paint with the broad brush. But any jokes that you have about like retirement and golf and good weather and just like, you know, cash and checks out there, like the head coaching hires were more in line with that. This is useful. This is energetic. This is hitting the recruiting trail. This is tapping into uh, a surging talent base of Arizona high school football and trying to make sure that the Sun Devils own it. This is trying to make sure that Arizona State, when you look geographically at the new Pac-12 with USC and UCLA out, like Oregon and Washington are way up there. There is no reason why you can't absolutely own sort of the southern footprint of the Pac-12. It might take some time, might be some rough times, but uh, but I I... I like the hire. Tom, is it a bit that you're doing on Twitter when you say I have no idea if it will work, but I like the hire? It's a bit, but it's also 100% true. No, it's, it's just, I like it. I like it. Okay. I wanted, I've seen it enough times that I wanted to see if there was some consistency to it. Mm-hmm. Can we add one to the, to the uh, Cincinnati thing? Sorry if Coco needs to splice this. What, what about Dan Mullen? He has obviously coached with Urban Meyer. You know, I, I feel like he knows the area pretty well. Northeast guy. But we just said Cincinnati is Kentucky. It is, but I'm just saying it's he's got Mississippi State roots too, so he's he's, he's the perfect blend of everything that you need. All right, um, Jake Spavital out at Texas State. That news coming while we were sitting there with you. So the open jobs right now are uh, Auburn, Colorado, FAU, Georgia Tech, USF, Stanford, UAB, Cincinnati, and Texas State. I don't know. I don't know what you guys have planned today, but can I just pose you a question? Why hasn't Hugh Freeze been announced yet? Um, can I speculate on this? Yes. I would love it if you did. I think it's because of the pushback that uh, they got for the DMs that he sent to that girl. Ooh. Who could have seen pushback coming on Hugh Freeze? By the way, Fickle has... Uh, According to the athletic fickle, just told the team he's taking the job. So also Barry Alvarez gave quotes uh, that like my guess is he gave them more than like a minute ago. So uh, one of the Wisconsin papers has been sitting on it, said it's a home run hire. It's how about it? It's happening. It's it's happening. So yeah. uh, if you're just joining us, yes, uh, we we got on here. Luke Fickle to Wisconsin, a very good hire for the Wisconsin Badgers. Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati after turning down that we know at least one Big Ten opportunity. And now he will be joining the conference where he played as an Ohio State Buckeye, where he spent extensive time as an Ohio State staffer and one-time interim coach. And now he will become a Big Ten rival of the Ohio State Buckeyes as the Wisconsin Badgers head coach. Oh, one last thing before we get out of here. Tom, again, great idea. Where's Jim Leonard going? I don't know. Um, he's probably going to be in demand for defensive coordinator jobs because he didn't do what they wanted to as a head coach, but it's hard to argue that Wisconsin's defenses haven't been great under him. Maybe he sticks in Madison. I don't know if Luke Fickle, can, their defenses aren't exactly the same. Luke Fickle's probably going to want to bring in somebody on his own, but 
There's going to be plenty of schools interested. And I was just thinking this is 100% pure speculation on my part. Illinois defensive coordinator Ryan Walters is still connected to the Colorado job. Who was Jim Leonard's defensive coordinator his senior year at Wisconsin? Brett Bielema. Just something to keep in mind. What about the uh, the Green Bay defensive coordinator job that comes open? That he he turned it down to yeah, stay at Wisconsin because he thought he was going to get that job. And uh, mm-hmm. mm. there will be some some places out there that need D coordinators though. This uh, th- th- this fall, yeah. his market will be it will be robust. Jim Leonard will be okay. I'm sure he's disappointed, but who knows? Maybe when. Uh, you know, when Ohio State runs Ryan Day out of town and Luke Fickle leaves Wisconsin for Ohio State, maybe Wisconsin will come calling again for Chip Leonard. Maybe Just, that's why Brian Hartline won't take the Cincinnati job. Mm-hmm. By the way, but I'm not going to stop thinking about Urban Meyer at Cincinnati. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna think about that way too much. And with that, yeah. we leave you. <laughs> You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.